Hey folks, welcome into Onto Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. It is July 25th. Cubs are still in the race. Eh? Eh? Wasn't sure I'd be able to, to say that even as recently as a week or two ago, but I think it is, strictly speaking, still true. We'll talk about on this episode what the Cubs need to do uh, over the next week for that to still be the case uh, before they would pull the plug on certain trades, but... Uh, before we get there, let's talk a little bit about the four-gamer against the Cardinals that just took place, uh, where, among other things, uh, I want to note at the top that the Cardinals had won five or six in a row through that Thursday game. I think six in a row through that Thursday game. And I would bet anything that some of those players were starting to get like that little hope of like, hey, what if we're making a run? What if maybe there's some miracle thing happening? And then boom! Cubs beat them three in a row and totally, definitely, definitively, clearly ended the Cardinals season. Look, I got to take I got to take the wins where I can get them. And that that is one, especially because later this week, the Cardinals might return the favor uh, and end it for the Cubs. So I did appreciate those three games, especially knowing that having lost on Thursday, I, I was at a point once again where I was like, if they lose one more of these games in this series, that's it. That's that. And then they won all three. Yeah, no, there was definitely, you had to have that concern as a Cubs fan that they were going to uh, get knocked out of the, and be pushed to be sellers by the rival Cardinals, they right? I'm sure Cubs fans the were Cardinals, terrified. By the way, if the Cardinals right. had won right. that, those next two, they would have passed the Cubs. <laughs> yeah, which I don't think uh, would have sat very well with Cubs fans. Uh, yeah, no, you have to give this team credit in the sense that they're not they're not giving up. They still believe they they have a chance. Uh I'm you know, I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop. I you know, I just they they've teased us multiple times this season to the point where it's like until the deadline passes and they haven't sold, I'm assuming they're selling. That's just how that's just how I'm treating it. They have to completely prove to us that they are that they have any semblance of consistency uh i don't you know credit to them for this weekend the bats showed up cody bellinger is playing like an mvp once again uh, i think i said entering the season you didn't need him to play like 2019 but actually i think you do with the way <laughs> with the way some of the other bats are, are performing uh this is much needed and the cubs will take it I think the discussion of whether you keep him or not is fascinating because I completely understand uh, what Brett has been writing on Bleacher Nation, uh, and I, like, uh, my head agrees with it, but there's a part of me that just says, this is who you've been searching for. This is what you need, and I know he's not here beyond this season. There's just something to the fact that if you believe this team is better than what their record says, why would you trade the one piece that makes sure you're better than what your record says, right? Makes it that like, that's the key to it all. Searching for that left-handed power, searching for that slugging in general. He's there. He's, he's the key to the lineup and it just makes the team so much more well-rounded and just a better overall group. Uh, I, and like I, my, my head pushes back on that and says, imagine the prospect you can get for him. And then you try and then you give him the most money in the offseason. And, and that it's as simple as that. 
I don't know if it's as simple as that in reality, but I just think it's a fascinating discussion. And, and it can, with his every every big hit that he gets, it seems like he's always up with men on base and he's come through, whether it's a sack fly, a home run, or a double, whatever it is, big, like, you know, even like a like a, a blue pit through the infield or whatever it is he's that's all the remarkable thing is strikeout rate is it's like 17 percent this year yo he's just a really can, interesting player i, I have it's like eight yeah, percent right 8.8 percent this month <laughs> even though even though his iso is like 350 which means that's he insane. is hitting the bejesus out of the ball and yet somehow never striking out right it's like nico or or nick madrigal with insane power uh it's just not normal it's it's a rare talent right now uh scott boris is licking his chops man uh he's very excited for this offseason and you know what the cubs i you know we're we have months to talk about this but man do the cubs need that type of player going forward yeah i want to see these next six games like i think the most fascinating part would be if they go three and three or four and two and they're still kind of just underneath 500 because I think that would be the most revealing part of what they really think about this team where they'd have to make that really hard decision and have to wear it one way or the other obviously if they you know win six win these next six or lose these next six you know it's a lot easier call but that gray area the absolute spot that Jed Hoyer wants to avoid at every single trade deadline is probably where they're gonna wind up being and I just think the most interesting part we have all these competing factions within the Cubs organization like that's where it's going to come to a head and if of these six games you're probably going to get Kyle Hendricks Marcus Stroman and Justin Steele starting four of them like you against two really bad teams who have nothing left to play for like you gotta you gotta get this done you know like it's no one wants to hear um, about how they don't give up and how they fight, blah, blah. Like, no, just got to win, win these games. And that has given uh, this week, you know, a lot of import and meaning uh, that you normally don't find uh, in the middle of July. And, you know, usually not around a team that's still, that hasn't been at or above 500 in months. I was talking about this with Michael Cerami, who also writes at Bleacher Nation. And we were talking about how, you know, when was the last time the Cubs were this close to a deadline and we didn't know which direction they were going to go? And I, I started searching back through my head. And I mean, it, it's possible it was 2011, which was the year before Jed and Theo arrived. And it was Jim Hendry's last deadline. And I do remember thinking they could have gone either way. Why didn't they sell? I remember being very frustrated ultimately that they didn't sell. And it turns out later revealed that it was because Jim Hendry didn't want to sell off guys. And then knowing that a new regime was taking over, he didn't want to, he's a good guy. He didn't want to take that out of other guys' hands. Um, but since then, you know, and I, I cover this stuff pretty closely. I have always felt like at the absolute latest by mid July, you know, there was that one year where they got hot coming out of the, the all-star break. And that answered the question. I mean, we just, we know, we know how to talk about this stuff. We know what makes sense. We know what the right decision is. And I think you nailed it, Mooney, that uh, of course the Cubs want to be competitive in winning. That's their like 1A. That's what they would prefer. They'd prefer to be 20 games over 500 and it's crystal clear. If it's not going to be that, <clears throat> then probably they prefer it to be crystal clear that they are 
not going to compete and let's maximize the return on the selling and et cetera, et cetera. The place they don't want to be is where they are right now. I, I would bet anything. This is, this is a vexatious time in the front office because every argument and discussion that we could have about why it makes sense to buy because there's all these outside factors that, that militate in favor of trying to stay competitive at all costs. Or, well, let's be rational. This is a team that's never really come together and gelled and they're this many games out and they're this many behind this many teams in the wild card. Like every argument, every discussion that we could have, I would bet they have had and are continuing to have. And they're having to probably lay down dual tracks right now. They're probably having a lot of awkward alternative conversations of like, well, you know, if if this, then this. And I think we make a lot of, well, they need to win X number of games and that, that'll do it. And I, I get why we do that. I do it. I, for the record, I'm saying they need to go five and one over this stretch. If they don't go five, if anything worse than five and one, they're selling and they probably should. Um, but in the, at the front office level, you know, you've got that consideration, but you also have, how are the other teams projecting? You also have, what do the trade values look like on the buy side and the sell side. They know that stuff. We don't, we don't have as much information about like, well, here's what the market is actually going to bear for Marcus Stroman or, or Cody Bellinger. And that might swing a decision too, if you're right on the fence. And so I think it's hard for us. It's hard for them, but I do appreciate that it's at least still a conversation. I don't think it is irrational for fans in this moment, as we sit here today on Tuesday, heading into this White Sox series, I don't think it's irrational for fans to still be hoping that the band stays together. The Cubs maybe add, they, they need sort of like a, a, a quality bench bat to right-handed power, I think would help. And then one, maybe surefire bullpen arm would really help. Um, I don't think it's irrational to still be thinking that way. And that's nice. That's a nice change uh, for uh, the last few years. And, I do want to circle back. I'm going to open it if you want to say anything about that broadly, but I want to circle back to some of the Bellinger talk because it is sort of a delicate needle threading um, about how to approach him this week. Oh, oh I thought you I'm were going to if you want to talk, talk any, about Bellinger, any, any of the broader yeah, stuff about uh, like the tough decisions. Yeah. They, so I, I disagree that they need to go five and one. I think four and two keeps them uh, like a, keeps this team together and three and three is the fence point where where the t where they're really debating it and and uh there's going to be factions that are saying like look at our schedule going forward look at their schedule going forward um you know the this team like is better than their record and we truly believe that uh we we can we can we can do this we're only three games under 500 i i think that's that's the point where i have no clue what they'll do but i think they'll they'll at minimum not sell off uh the key pieces um at four and two what i'd be fascinated by is some sort of soft sell soft buy um the opportunity to find someone under control for 2024 those types of things are the most fascinating to me uh you know, like they, they couldn't pull that off. I don't think they were able to pull that off in 15, but it, think about it. 17 was Jose Quintana, right? That wasn't just for 17. Um, 2000, was it 2003? 2003 was buy now for Kenny Lofton, but also buy now and the future Ramos. with the Ramos Ramirez. But that's not the soft that sell. That type of deal. That's is, not the soft sell. No, no, that's not a soft thing. sell or soft which, buy. Which I'm well, not saying yeah. you did mention it. And I just, I haven't had a platform to say this. I want to say this. Everybody wants 
a, a team that's in the middle to do that. They want them to pull off this magical, oh, sell the stuff we don't want for great long-term returns and buy the stuff we do want who will also contribute next year. It, like, never happens. Yeah, no, that the doesn't. Red Sox did it last year. <laughs> that's what it looks like, by the way. It looks like yeah, a mess. Weird. It looks like a mess when you do it. So I'm just saying I love that you're hopeful on that front, but don't count on it. Yeah, I'm not I'm not even saying it's likely. I, I'm just curious how if there's opportunities, more so opportunities to try and get contributors for now and the future. If they can find that, I think whatever happens this week, you kind of have to explore that because there's no reason not to be this isn't uh, we're not talking about there's no chance this team sits out the offseason, right? No chance. No matter what happens at this deadline, uh, they're not they're not taking off the winter and saying, "Eh, that no big deal. We were 500 again, or we were 10 games under, or we were two games over, whatever." They're not. They are going to be uh, feel the need to to aggressively pers- pursue big time free agents or big trades and just uh, significantly improve this team once again. Uh, so why not, if the opportunity arises, get that started this week? Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of kind of conflicting feelings here and, and ideas that I think I'm going to maybe save until we actually see what happens. I don't want to like hammer Jed right now or praise Jed right now because we don't really know exactly. He doesn't know what he's going to do, but I do think Bellinger is one that you can very safely say is the exact guy that they need. And there are not many good free agents out there. And I wrote this the other day and um, several people on Twitter uh, made the comparison to Nick Castellanos. And I was never a huge like Castellanos guy because I never, one, I did not think the Cubs were ever, baseball was going to be given the money to sign a guy at that moment like that. And also... I didn't think defensively he's exactly the type of player that they want to invest in. I think there still hadn't been a DH in, in place yet, I believe, when he reached free agency. And then also that just seemed like this perfect like kind of fling, right? It was like two months, he got, you know, and everyone, you know, loved it. And he'd have his like philosophical every day as an opening day type of, you know, meanderings. As that was like a very much a moment in time. To me, Bellinger you know, if you're a nerd in the front office and you're looking at his age and his track record and that stuff, perfect. If you're the hitting coach like Dustin Kelly, you're like, this guy is like a savant, you know, like all the stuff that frustrated you as a Cubs fan of, you know, guys swinging out of their shoes with two strikes and not listening to Joe Madden's B-hack or C-hack, whatever. Like this guy has a real knack for like, you know, kind of playing the at-bat and taking what the pitcher gives him. You know, this is not, you know... Oh my God, look at David Bodie's exit velocity. It's amazing, but he doesn't get hits. Yes. And that's why he's in <laughs> Iowa for the next seven years, right? Like Cody Bellinger just balls out. And like he's a you know, he plays at a super high level. He's played in the biggest games possible. Um, you know, he's not gonna go deep with Sahadev talking about his uh hitting mechanics. That's not how he rolls. Uh but like players love being around him he has this like lightness to him he has a jock peterson confidence uh we see how nico Seya, ian hab dansby swanson how they kind of work and it's very purpose-driven and serious um 
they work extremely hard, but they're wound a little tighter. And and I just think like you put all these things together, the fact that he's the best defensive first baseman since Rizzo, the best center fielder they've had since Dexter Fowler. Um, I don't know. This is a guy you can't just trade away in the middle of the season and think, oh yeah, we can replace all that. I mean, you have a huge deficit heading into the off season. And I think as one of the commenters on the athletics said like, Oh wait, Oh wow. I can't wait for the Cubs to, you know, trade Bellinger for some starting pitching prospect that they turned into a middle reliever. <laughs> like what, like what, uh, what are you going for here? I mean, this has been, you know, uh, a really long process that really started, Basically, when Castellanos got here, when you're talking about kind of the end of the 2019 season of these changes that they started making, like, I don't think you can keep kicking the can down the road. I think that's uh, front and center in these discussions in the front office. Like, They know the heat that they're feeling right now. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Um, okay, so I want to jump off of that with some thoughts because I, you know, I think fundamentally in all this stuff, we're going to be in agreement. I think there are just sort of some sharp edges to it where we would disagree. And I think um, one thing, uh, one positive thing I want to note at the top because I can hear some of the more nerdy inclined listeners screaming right now at the pod because I've heard this from some nerdy folks too which i mean i i consider myself among them they're like but look at his contact quality it's it's all an illusion he doesn't have and 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 i say i get what you're saying but two things you have to keep in mind one mooney you wrote in your piece a couple days ago which is i don't think you can generate this tier of performance by luck alone like there's this isn't just I mean, I literally asked Dustin Kelly the hitting coach about this the other day and he just like shook his head of just like you know watch it like he's hitting the ball in the seats like what more do you want you know what I mean like because what I was gonna also producing I mean he's got what like 22 RBIs in 19 games this month like that's well he's not striking out what the and not not striking out I mean put all that together Yeah, and I, I, the, what I've been giving people in response to this point is just this was early in the days of StatCast, but maybe you weren't looking closely at Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo's contact quality at their peak. It was bad. If you, if you didn't know their production, you would look at just their contact quality, the little sliders on StatCast, and they were poor. You'd be like, oh, geez, these guys can't really hit. Well, obviously that's not the case. You have to take a little bit more of a nuanced approach to... Uh, how you use those numbers, even though they are more advanced than batting average. I think you do have to um, 
think of these things a little more critically than that. And so Luis Arias stinks, he stinks. By the way, he's terrible. If you're growing off, yeah, he's uh, terrible. off that those numbers. So I wanted to say that at the top. And what I would say about Bellinger as it relates to uh, filling a need that the Cubs have desperately had for a long time, that left-handed power. I feel like we've been talking about that for years and years. Um, and he's that, and he brings it in a package that's 28 plays uh, top tier defense in center field and first base, dude, you could probably throw him at a number of positions and he would be fine there. Um, but the reality for me is even as I think that, and I am now completely sold on him needing to be a top target of the Cubs to retain after this year. I still think if they sell, if they decide that the second half is not going to go their way and they decide they aren't going to be competitive, I think as long as the offers for him are meaningful, you've got to trade him. Now, if it is like you said, you know, if it's just another sort of 45 pitching prospect that you're going to have to convert to relief at some point anyway, the Cubs have a lot of those guys. They have an extraordinarily deep system of those sort of mid-tier prospects. Don't bother. I, I agree with that. But what I don't want to see the Cubs do is kid themselves into keeping him solely so they get that extra time to try to work out a new deal because that is going to be the most fruitless, pointless wasted time ever because everyone has to remember what's happening right now is precisely what Bellinger and Scott Boris, his agent wanted to happen. The reason they eschewed any deals beyond a year is because they wanted to find a place where he could have one great year and hit free agency period. That is what's going to happen no matter what. And you know, the only way it wouldn't happen is if the Cubs made Bellinger an offer so obscenely ridiculous that even Scott Boris would say, okay, it's worth not even seeing what free agency could bring because this deal is crazy. Do we really want the Cubs to do that? Do we want them to, to have that impact on future years? Like, I know a lot of fans are like, well, it's not my money, who cares? They have a budget. It, there's a reality here. And if you go completely crazy, you are going to negatively impact future teams. So, if it is true that no matter what, Bellinger is hitting free agency, and I believe that that is the case. And if it is true that you believe trading him is not going to negatively impact your chances of signing him, which I also believe to be true. This isn't a Wilson Contreras, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez situation where there's been a history of negotiations. And when you trade him, you know, that's, that's that, you know, that this, this is a dude who signed to be a mercenary for one year, specifically to be able to do this. And by trading him, you're cutting him off from being attached to draft pick compensation. So you're probably putting another five or six million in his pocket. So I really don't think trading him is going to negatively impact that relationship at all. The reality is he's going to sign for the most money in the offseason, whether it's the Cubs or some other team, whether they traded him or not. And so I do not find any argument other than trying to compete this year particularly persuasive about not trading him. So either the Cubs are in it and they don't trade him or they are clearly selling and assuming the offers aren't a pittance, you got to take what you can get and then load up and get ready to, to make a full press on him in November. Yeah. You know, I, I agree. I agree with that. If you're, you're not competing, right. And if you see no value as an organization, to even like have a good final two months, right? Where if if you see no value in that, no real value, then I agree. And and I just disagree with people that say like, well then you're rebuilding again or 
No, no, no. These guys were impending free agents. If they were trading Hap and Saya, and I know they're not, you know, some fans would love to see that with the way they've played lately. So I'm just saying, if you're if you're trading guys that are under control beyond this year and, and getting 19-year-old prospects, I understand. I understand where the frustration would be. These are impending free agents that, you know, they're not going to give mar- open market deals to right now. They're, neither of them sound like they'd be unwilling to, you know, negotiate with this this team. And I like I said this, I, I must not have said this on the podcast. I said it to other reporters, but these aren't players that have a long history with the Cubs. This isn't some some situation where they're all of a sudden being traded to another team and like, oh wow, this is such a different world. Oh, I can live uh, like in another organization. I can handle this. There's more to this uh league than just the cubs right and and that's kind of like the mentality that john lester had when he was traded to the a's right he was like oh he even said like maybe if i wasn't traded i'd still i'd never would have been willing to sign elsewhere because it was all i'd known was the red sox i i that's just not the case especially with bellinger so i i while i appreciate all the frustration that comes from friends when you even discuss the idea of trading Bellinger. If you get bowled over by a deal and you're out of it, I understand it. I think there is value in being good in the second half. I think this team has shown that they're still in this race. And I think you have a good week. There's no reason to think about it, right? Essentially, the Cubs need to make this a moot talking point. The, they with their play on the field, they need to shut up this talk that we're having right now. Shut shut me up for the multiple times I wrote last week that they're selling, uh, and 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 go out and prove us all wrong and go make a run. Right? That's that's ultimately what needs to happen. Otherwise, we're going to be talking about guys being traded, including Bellinger. Two quick points on discussion uh, things we've mentioned here, like the whole idea of bringing back a, a free agent. Yes, the Yankees did that with Aroldis Chapman. They also offered him a record-setting contract for a reliever. Do you think the Cubs are going to like blow away Scott Boris this winter for Ballinger? No, because those deals are done at the ownership level with Boris. The if you look at the Padres, the Nationals with Steven Strasburg, like so. If you're gonna try and thread that needle of trade and bring back, then you better come prepared to like blow his doors off and we know that's not but how that, the cubs operate but that would They're be not true do that. that'd be true if you tried to extend him anyway like it, that's, the, the discussion no there's no there's happens. no possibility of the cubs extending cody Bellinger. Like that is like an absolute waste of time to talk about that because as you've said as you've said more deadly like that is just not going to happen at all so there's no point even mentioning it and part of the reason the red sox look like a mess last year is because they went over the luxury tax threshold and the Cubs are not going to do that at all. And the Cubs have not consistently done that or even come close to doing that in recent years. So I think, you know, the pressure should be on this front office to add. Now the team has to do it on the field, no doubt. Um, Like if you fall, if you face plant against two of the worst teams in baseball at the most, at the biggest moment of the season, then yeah, you don't deserve it. But otherwise I don't think front office and ownership should be let off the hook here. It's like, yeah, the Red Sox did all those moves while they were competing against the Yankees, the Rays, the Blue Jays, the Orioles. Like, if the Cubs just surrender because the powerhouses in Milwaukee and Cincinnati are a few games ahead of them, 
Like that would be an absolute, that would be on their permanent record. That would be the white flag trade of the new generation. Like that would be referenced for as long as the Cubs are not competing. And this whole idea, I get it that you, the goal is to win world series, but like you've won one in the last 115 years. So maybe try like something a little different instead of just these like absolute teardowns or we're going to go all out. Like, I think you honor the work of the coaching staff and the players, which by and large has been very well received, unless everyone's been lying to us since they showed up in spring training. I think you respect the fans who are still showing up and engaged, even though you pissed away all of your goodwill after winning the World Series in 2016. Like... There are certainly players like Dansby Swanson who signed here thinking they'd compete and can have a different perspective on how things, you know, I think if you blow this up and then just try and like fill all these holes in the offseason and then show up in Mace again, it's going to be a whole lot of the stuff we saw this year of like, oh, we're still trying to figure things out. We don't know what we got. Like there's, there is value in continuity. And I think I'm getting ahead of myself with the things that I said I'd wait until we see what they do. But I just think this year, too, in listening to David Ross and seeing some of these performances, like, there's a lot of prospect fatigue right now. And, like, whoever the Cubs get, I don't think it's going to be, like, we're going to be, like, oh, my God, they got that guy. Like, it's going to be, like, oh, wow, is this another, like, teenager who's going to be an A-ball for 40 years while he's on the 40-man roster? Like, I I just think there's a lot going on here that – they're going to have to take under serious consideration, even though in their heads, they know it might not be the right decision to stick together. I think there are other ways you can spin it and, and turn it into a positive, just to seeing what you can do in the last two months of the season. I just, I just want to point out that uh, Patrick's using arbitrary endpoints. It's actually three world series in 117 years. Okay. <laughs> that's good. That's good. <laughs> I mean, that's that's one every like forty years, guys. That's not bad. Because well, that like people are bad. calling the Red Sox a mess, and they've won four World Series in what, like nineteen yeah. years, twenty years. Yeah, yeah. I also, to that point, and adding to what Mooney just said, I reject the idea, especially this year with the Cubs, especially given what's happened in the years before, that it's that it's World Series or bust, that that's the only measure of a successful 2023 season for the Cubs. And I say that as a fan. I say that as a fan who lived through decades of like a a team at an organizational level that thought making a push late in the year was the only thing that mattered. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that you can't go so far in the other direction where you say, look, either we have a chance, we have a above 15% chance to win the world series or it's not worth even trying in the second half. Like that's, that's too far. You've swung too far in the other direction. And I think that's what compels me largely to, that's why I want to see five and one so bad over these next six games. Cause you know what happens at five and one, they're a game over 500. And when you're a game over 500 in this context that we're talking about, they're not selling. No chance. Zero chance. It doesn't matter what the offers are. They aren't. They're keeping it together and they're going. And so that's why I'm like, I kind of want them to be saved from themselves because I know how rational this front office is. And I know that if if they aren't over 500 and if the offers are good, they're going to be able to sell themselves on selling. And I don't really want to see that. 
I, you know, for as much as I talk about the decision they might have to make with Bellinger, because ultimately I think it doesn't matter in terms of what happens long-term with him. I just don't think it matters if they trade him or not. Um, I don't want them to because primarily I want to see meaningful baseball in August and September again, even if it's, even if it's just an outsider's hope that they could close the gap, you know, in September, they're down by five games and it's like, well, maybe they can make a run. Uh, you know, that was the Brewers in 2018 and they did make a run and they knocked the Cubs out in game 163. Sometimes that happens. And I'd like the opportunity to root for that because I haven't had that since 2018. So, uh, that's all I'm looking for. And, um, you know, maybe that makes me a sucker. Some people would say that makes me, you know, that I'm just filling the seats at Wrigley field, but, um, I don't know. I like to enjoy baseball and I'll enjoy it more in August and September if the games mean something. So, that's it. On to Waveland, Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. Um, I'm Brett Taylor. Get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Sahadif Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get theirs at The Athletic. We'll be back at you later this week, uh, likely on Thursday after the White Sox series. And hopefully the Cubs will have taken both games and they, you know, extend this conversation further. Um, certainly if they lose both of these games, I think this looks different. Uh, hope you all have a good middle of your week. Talk to you soon. Take care. Goodbye.